Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, you guys are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap, managing editor of Fightful.com here. It's been a wild week at Fightful.com. TLC pay-per-view, The Mumps. We've yeah. got a ton of great stuff up, uh, stories about Dana White saying that Mayweather McGregor broke pay-per-view records. We've got the Holy Smokes MMA podcast, Raw, SmackDown, TLC, post-UFC Poland, all kinds of stuff <laughs> at Fightful.com. Brandon Howard has a nice article up about how wrestling media creates stars. But today, I'm joined by a man who you all may remember from the time that he body slammed Andre the Giant at the Pontiac Silverdome at WrestleMania 3, Jimmy Van. You know something? I was once in New Orleans for a bachelor party. Matter of fact, it was you my... You a bunch of whippets. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what happened. Uh, okay, those were balloons. Those were not whipped cream cans, all right? They're balloons. There's a difference. I was in New Orleans for my bachelor party. Uh, and a buddy of mine, we, there happened to be a parade going on because there was a college football game or something, and there was a parade going on, and there were folding tables out, and I body slammed one of my friends onto a folding table. That happened a few years ago. Damn. Yeah. So it's funny that you made that little, you know, jokey little Hogan reference from WrestleMania 3 because, granted, I did not do it in the uh, Superdome, but I did body slam my friend onto a table outside the Superdome. How about well, that? I remember your moment of glory. Oh, yeah? What's that? That was it. When you body slammed Andre the Giant. Oh, that was it. That was it. Yeah. Oh. Pretty impressive feat for a 12-year-old. i got to say, Sean. Yeah. It's pretty that's, good. I mean, that's why it's remembered to this day. I mean, according to you know the legend, that because the stories are retold, I think the most recent one I heard, Andre was like 1,300 pounds or something at the time of that body slam. So pretty impressive uh, allegedly. feat. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. we Sean, got a lot to talk about. Let me tell you something, man. Last Friday... I'm sitting in Montreal, Quebec. <laughs> now, I know you've never been to Montreal. Montreal is a really nice town. They have a lot of uh, patio restaurants, but the patios are like up a level. So you can look down onto the street, right? And a lot of Montreal is like that. I was sitting at a nice uh, restaurant, sitting on the patio. It was a nice day in Montreal. And I got a text message from Sean Rossap. 
Nigel, sitting there enjoying myself, having a few few little pops. I get a text message from Sean Rossap saying Kurt Angle is going to wrestle at TLC, and I said what? Because I hadn't checked the news that day. I, I had been ignoring you know pretty much everything and just kind of enjoying myself in Montreal. And he told me Kurt Angle's wrestling at TLC. Uh, so I guess we'll start there. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's not start there. Let's start with the breaking news story, Sean. Let's there start. Are plenty. Yeah, let, let's start with the breaking news story. So we're doing this on Wednesday, October 25th, and a story just broke today uh, by Justin Barrasso of SI.com. Uh, he claims, and he's always pretty accurate. He, Justin's pretty good. There's, he, there's a couple. He's pretty good normally. Yeah, he is pretty good. So he claims that Nia Jax's recent leave of absence from WWE is a result of her being asked to put Sasha Banks over clean at the TLC pay-per-view. Uh, and uh, she allegedly balked at the idea. She called The Rock, who's her cousin. Uh, the Rock said, if you're unhappy, walk away. Don't be afraid to walk away. And so that's exactly what she did. And that was uh, October the 16th. Monday, October the 16th was the day that she walked out on Raw. Uh, ironically enough, that day, October 16th, she had posted something on uh, Twitter about looking forward to Raw or something. Clearly, she got the news that day. They wanted her to put over Sasha. Left that day. Uh, Dave Meltzer had uh, had reported right after this happened. He said, there's nothing to the situation. It's overblown. She'll be back in time for the European tour starting in Glasgow, Scotland on November 1st. I haven't heard if that's still the plan, but uh, today, October 25th, Nijax posted on Twitter, and it was directed to Natalia and to Tamina. She said, uh, listen here, Maude and Margil, don't think I'll forget what you and your lame crew did to, my, to Team Red. Just wait until Survivor Series. So it sounds like she's ready to come back. WWE expects her back next week. This today was the first I had heard of any rock involvement. I followed up with that. People that I spoke to said, yeah, we hadn't heard of that. We mm. know that she's generally outspoken in regards to her booking, but that's like nothing new. I mean, she'll kind of like make comments and stuff like, bad idea, like right. stuff like that. Like she's very open about that. Right. Ah, man, I'm very torn on this because I think talent should step up and say something if they don't agree with how they're booked. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she walked out. I was told it wasn't a walkout, or at least WWE didn't view it as a walkout. Mm-hmm, they didn't mm-hmm. look at it and say, walk out or anything. They took it as leave of absence, as has been reported. That that was the way that they looked at things. I, I want to say this. If she's burned out from the road, as Alexa Bliss says, maybe a bad look. You look at a guy like Dean Ambrose, he <clears throat> never takes time off. Right. And she needs it a year and a half in. I'm not now. I'm not saying that that's unreasonable. I would need it a year and a half in. It is I a would tough schedule. Need it about, I'd need it about three weeks in, probably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, she's not in the same place as The Rock, as I mentioned in our video update, which you all can see on on Fightful's YouTube. Like, if The Rock did give her that advice, and she regularly talks to The Rock for advice, that's no secret. Mm-hmm. He should maybe take into consideration where she is professionally, where she is in the ring where she is with the crowd, mm-hmm. where she is on the totem pole, because The Rock has never been that low on the totem pole. At Even in his failed blue chipper days, he was higher on the totem pole and better in the ring than she is right now. I mean, I think in his blue chipper days, if The Rock had walked out of this, a man wouldn't have cared too much. But uh, yeah. I will say this about Nia Jax, and, and this might piss a few people off, but I'm going to be just very frank. With all due respect to Nia Jax, you know, I, I, I think she's got a very unique look for the business. 
and you know, I think that there's definitely a good place for her on the roster. But with all due respect to her, the fact of the matter is, it was only a couple of years ago that she went to WrestleMania to watch The Rock. She had she was not in the business was not part of the business, was there to watch The Rock, didn't have a lot going on in her career at that time, decided, you know what, I like this, this is something that I can do. And she used the stroke of her cousin to fast track her into NXT. And that's exactly what happened. The Rock talked to Triple H, got her into developmental, and she fast tracked her way in, into the company. I think, my opinion, that she'd be very, she should be very appreciative of, uh, of what she was able to get as quickly as she was able to get it because of her connection to The Rock. Some people, as you know, Sean, like an AJ Styles, are in the business forever wanting to get to WWE and they never get that opportunity. She was fast-tracked to it. So if it's true that she balked because she didn't want to put over Sasha Banks clean, I say get over yourself. I mean, that's my honest opinion. But at the same time, like Alexa Bliss said, it's a tough road schedule. It's tough. You know how we, we often talked about how quick Matt Riddle's ascension has been in pro wrestling? He's been wrestling longer than Nia Jax has been. Right, right. He debuted months before her. He ain't nowhere near a main roster, and he's considered one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. Yeah. Nia Jax got called up a year and a half ago, perhaps far too early. You want to see something interesting? Go watch her call-up video mm-hmm. and some of the reactions, like mm-hmm. perhaps douchebaggy reactions, like some jealousy and stuff there. But she didn't think she was getting called up. No, and that's not her fault. I mean, no, she, it's, you not. Know, it's not like she begged and pleaded to get called up. But, but again, going back to just because she's part of the family, and I know that her, her and The Rock's mom are very, very tight. And as a matter of fact, wasn't Nia Jax in the car when they had the car accident? I think she was, wasn't yeah, she? she was. So her and The Rock's mom are very, very tight. But that aside, Nia Jax did not grow up in the business. Just, just because she's related to The Rock and The Rock's mother, she did not grow up in the business. And so I can understand her probably getting in and thinking, holy shit, this, this road schedule, it is very difficult. But... Again, she was fast-tracked to it, so I, I, it's hard for me to sympathize for her if she, if she walked out because they asked her to put somebody over clean. You know what I mean? She's very fortunate, again, to be where she is so quickly, so it's hard and for me to sympathize. There's some red flags to this. She's put over Sasha Banks multiple times this year. Since the summer alone, she's been beaten. Now, maybe she thought this was the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm still working on finding out more information about this because Wednesday is not a good day to get an answer back from people like that because generally not generally everybody's gone. This is their time off Wednesday, Thursday, and they come back Friday, but still working to find this out. The thing is like I think they would find much more use out of her like the, I think they will find much more use out of her on Total Divas because <clears throat> outside of wrestling, right. her personality is so likable right i I hear that all the time about how funny she is and about how how warm her personality is and her being larger than life to most people Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. think that could that could be something but she's got to pick it up in the ring the thing that i i do like about the possibility of her future 33 years old used to be like well you're winding down as a woman in wwe Mm -hmm. not anymore they're signing women in their mid to late 30s Shayna baszler uh, Kavita, they, they signed her too. They signed Naya at 29 or 30. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that. That's cool. They have use beyond the age of 29. So I hope it all works out, but she's got to make some major strides in the ring, especially. But WDB has to make some major strides in how they book her as well. I mean, Laurenitis used to, used to uh, recruit based on catalogs. That's what he did. Yep. So the mindset's different now. The one thing I wonder about Nia Jax, do you remember when the story came out? I can't recall where she told the story. It might have been on Jericho's podcast or something. She said Vincent Mann told her that she's the Andre the Giant of the women's division. 
Yeah. I wonder if she started to believe in her own hype. That's a good question. That's you a know? good question. And, you know, <laughs> not to plug Total Divas, maybe that will give us a little bit of an insight because that does show some more of their personality, although a lot of that show it's is all scripted. complete trash and yeah. scripted. Yeah. But we have seen some stuff shine through. Did you see the thing that Justin Gabriel said this week? About the 450? About, no, about, well, it was in the same story about when he dated JoJo. And he didn't realize how young she was. She was 18 or 19. Mm -hmm. And he went and told the producers of Total Divas, hey, this isn't going to work. And they're like, well, you got to dump her on air. Right. And that was all they showed. Right. So, That's yeah. how it is. Yep. Yep. Okay, let's move on to TLC. So uh, maybe you know more about the latest of this than I do. There was a viral meningitis outbreak. I think they've now said it was the mumps. Mumps. Okay, yep. so there was a mumps outbreak uh, specific to the Raw brand. We know it started with Bo Dallas a couple of weeks ago. At the time, they didn't say what it was, but clearly it started with him. Then Bray and JoJo came off the road because Bray is obviously his brother and JoJo's dating Bray. Uh, I'd love to know how Roman Reigns uh, got into that mix of all people. But uh, So Bray Wyatt, Bo Dallas, JoJo, Roman Reigns, all affected with the mumps. Uh, they had to pull Roman from the TLC pay-per-view two days before is when they announced it, although I'm sure they knew prior, but they announced it two days before. Had to pull Bray Wyatt from the show. They uh, injected AJ Styles into the match with Finn Balor, even though it's from the other brand. And they brought back Kurt Angle after 11 years out of a WWE ring. Didn't you love how the commentary kept on saying first, first match in 11 years? They kept saying that? Was, was that what they said, or did they say first WWE match? No, they said both. They said uh. both. And, and obviously that could have been just, uh, uh, you know, human nature, just slip of the tongue in, yeah. in, in, in the moment. But they said on more than one occasion his first match back in 11 years or something. Booker Booker was in main event mafia with Kurt. <laughs> well, I don't think Booker's the one that said it, though. I know. Booker so, wouldn't say it. No. As we've learned, especially over the last week, yeah. Booker says what Booker wants to say. Yep. And I love Booker T, and I hope that what's his name, uh, Hudson's husband, I hope Otunga. Let him remain doing B-movies and WWE yeah. Studio Productions because uh, they don't need him on commentary. Um, now, let me, let me tell you this. Actually, let me ask you first. What did you think when you found out, because WWE did an official announcement, when you found out AJ, uh, Kurt Angle is going to take the place of Roman Reigns in The Shield and AJ Styles is going to be pulled over from the SmackDown brand to wrestle Finn Balor, what did you think when you heard that that was the decision? I likened it to a UFC fight that falls out and, like, you're not that interested in it. And then just the absolute chaos of the last-minute change makes it somewhat interesting. I think this showed WWE something as well. That if – okay, and I'm not saying The Shield was poor booking or anything like that, but nobody thought The Shield was losing this match right. at all. Right. Nobody. Yep. Not that many people wanted Bray Wyatt Finn Balor. Yep. Like, nobody was hot for it. That if you make a terrible, if you book something just absolutely crappy, and you recognize that it's just bad, mm -hmm. you can change things, and you can make a show more interesting. I can tell you that there was not that much buzz about TLC before Friday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. And all of a sudden, we have a breaking news podcast that outdrew a Raw podcast. That doesn't happen. Right. That never happens during the week. I, my phone was blowing up. I had people that I didn't even know had knew what wrestling was asking me about this. That was – it was a it was a terrible situation that they turned into a remarkable positive. And I got to give WWE a lot of credit for that because they did not want to clear Kurt Angle. And Vince McMahon recognized the magnitude of the situation. He said, 
with all due respect to a Jason Jordan or a Matt Hardy or somebody like that, we can't just slide them in. Agreed. We can't just do that. Now, obviously, I like what they did here. Obviously, if this happened five years ago, I would have said they're crazy because five years ago, pay-per-view revenue was important to the company. But in 2017, as we've talked about before in this podcast, the USA Network contract is their biggest revenue generator. Yes. I, think, I think live events still do more than the network in terms of revenue. Uh, and so it's less important to build that big pay-per-view match. If anything, they tend to use the pay-per-views now to build the Raw because Raw is the bread and butter. And I think it's probably arguable that most of the network subscribers, if not all of them, are pretty internet savvy and they follow the news and they know what's going on, right? That means that even with two days notice, the network subscribers were going to be aware that Kurt was in the match. Well, you got to have an internet connection to run the network, so that's that's definitely well, for sure. But I, but you know, yeah. you could argue that maybe there's some casuals in there, but I think most of them of are course. pretty savvy to the news, and um, so I, I had no problem with the, with that at all, based on the landscape today. And uh, and I got to tell you, man, talking about Kurt Angle himself, I couldn't help but chuckle, like in a good way, when there's Dean Ambrose and there's Seth Rollins, <laughs> and they've got that serious look on their face because they're getting ready for a serious match, right? And there they come and they got that serious look, and they're looking down at the ring, and then there comes Kurt behind them, and Kurt's smile couldn't have been wider, going from ear to ear, because he was so happy and he was so excited that he finally got that call. Uh, I just thought it was hilarious watching these two serious guys, and there he comes with a shit-eating grin on his face. But uh, I, I loved it. I, I thought the match itself was uh, pretty heavily produced. It reminded me of a TNA main event in some respects. But uh, the outcome was the way it should have been. Uh, I thought Kurt looked pretty good in a limited role since they you know, had used weaponry and stuff like that. And they're finally, looks like, turning Braun Strowman babyface. Looks like couple months late in my opinion he should be their guy he should have beaten brock lesnar he should be breaking jinder mahal in half at survivor series but i guess better late than never um to your point about casuals in the network my strength and conditioning coach only has the network to watch old episodes of raw right. he and his wife go back and watch the old attitude era stuff and you know i'm sure that kurt angle who was around during that era mm -hmm. Maybe maybe perked his ears up a little bit. Yeah, Braun Strowman, babyface. I like that idea, but I don't want them to change anything that he does. He can't no. be different Agreed. in Agreed. what he does. Agreed. No smiling and no slapping the hands. He's got to keep being Braun Strowman. Uh, and, and it's kind of like a modern-day Stone Cold. You want him out there, even if he's teaming up with a babyface, thinking that he might hit that babyface at any moment kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's what you want for Braun Strowman, I think. Uh, the other good thing that came out of this whole uh, this whole change, because again, they want to appease the USA Network, right? That's their bread and butter. Bringing in Kurt last minute without the ability to uh, announce it on Raw first popped the rating, because by the time Monday came around, the casuals had heard the news because it, it went pretty viral. This news, yeah. And the first hour of Raw did what 3.3 million viewers, which is a pretty solid uh, uptick. Lead. And it's clearly because of Kurt Angle. I mean, there's really no other reason that that would have happened. So, uh, yeah, I thought the whole thing was good, man. Again, five years ago, I would have said they're nuts. In 2017, I thought it made good business sense doing what they did. And uh, Yeah. So, and again, as we've talked about, outside of WrestleMania season, they're trying to present bigger shows because they want to minimize churn on the network. Sure. That's why The Shield was coming back on a B show is because they want to minimize churn. Bringing back Kurt Angle, that probably did a better job than The Shield reunion would have done. It, very, very possible. Now, I can't make sense of a lot of what of what people or what WWE has done like with 
having AJ Styles lose, then beating Finn Balor, and a lot of the the you know it's a mess. A lot of it's a mess, but it's at least interesting. It's entertaining. It's different. That I can get behind. But I, I sense is the thing that I wish would would happen a little bit more. But I'm I loved Finn Balor versus AJ Styles. I really enjoyed that main event for the giant cluster that it was, and mm-hmm. it was like charmingly overbooked. It was mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. I had I had a great time watching TLC Sunday Night, and that aura of unpredictability and the change added to it it made it very good it now i know they wanted to run that shield reunion but mm-hmm. they did they did the right thing yeah and they Sunday can they night. can still do it as part of survivor series or something yeah you know so it's, they, it can still be done uh i want to mention something about daniel bryan so on sunday night uh, after tlc daniel bryan posted on twitter uh quote there was a time when wwe wouldn't let kurt angle compete Tonight he won a pay-per-view main event in a TLC match. Hashtag, so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, his contract expires, I believe, next September. Yes, it does. Uh, and there's been all kinds of, uh, you know, speculation. Oh, is he going to leave? Is he going to go wrestle in Ring of Honor? I still think he's going to stay in WWE. That's my, my gut feel. And uh, we'll see what happens, man. We'll see, if, we'll see if they clear him. I mean, that's still almost a year away. A lot can happen in a year, but... They'll have to offer him, I think, a big, big contract to not do a lot in we'll order. See. We'll see. Because if, if I'm WWE, now, I, if I'm them, he wants to wrestle. He wants yeah. to wrestle real bad. He's not made it a secret. He can make, oh, oh, my God, so much money. So much money on the independent circuit. We're hearing what, and we will hear uh, in a bit about how Jack Swagger has kind of how he's doing on the independent circuit, but we've heard about how much money Cody Rhodes is making. We know how much we know the Young Bucks are making a ton. Mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan above and beyond all that yeah, what, because what's, not only that, what's Cody getting move. per shot? You know, do you have any it? idea what Cody's getting per no, shot? No, I mean, um, I can find out what AJ Styles was getting per shot because it's going to be more than that. It was short term though, right for AJ? Yeah, but still, like. It, Daniel Bryan has his pick of the litter, man. Like, like I remember, go. wasn't Rey Mysterio ten grand a shot at one point? And I think Kurt Angle. Because, he wasn't getting a lot of bookings, though. No, but I was going to say, well, that that's kind of my point because then Kurt Angle did rare indies, but I think Kurt was demanding yeah. like twenty five grand a shot, but he he was doing very very little, right? Well, AJ Styles got eight thousand for a two day UK tour plus air and hotel. That's a weekend. Eight thousand. Total eight grand in a weekend, and that was a discount. That was I mean, a discount. that's actually. I think that's actually pretty reasonable. So that'd be like four thousand a shot. A yes. Match. Well, I mean, that's that's why that's how AJ stayed booked. Yeah. Again, something we'll hear Swagger talk about in a few minutes. But he didn't price himself out. I think Daniel Bryan is smart enough to keep himself special, but not price himself out because he's going to make like he opens up a pro wrestling tea store. Oh my god, that thing is going to go crazy. What happens if he starts a podcast? All anybody wanted to do was hear him do smacking or talking smack for a while. Yeah. Like, I want nothing more in this this world than an AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan podcast based on their interactions on talking smack. If I'm WWE and I want to keep him and I don't want him to wrestle, I make the biggest use out of him I can. I give him a network show. I give him the, the GM role. I have him do as much as I possibly can. Because you're going to have to justify that money. Like, are they going to keep him on the roster just to 
not have him wrestle when he obviously wants to wrestle when he says that he's able to like that's that's a real conflict so i could see them clearing him to wrestle uh, i haven't you haven't heard anything about the whole hyperbaric chamber and if it's making any difference have you in him no not yet so i i could see them clearing him but i could see them clearing him on a on a very limited schedule like big events only and he'd have to change i mean let's be honest he does not want to go to ring of honor and utilize his old style he'd be crazy to no. do that. Well, I mean, he's he's straight up. I mean, he's developed another style. Right. Like he's he developed a style where he would roll more, like like in lucha libre. Right. Uh, where they don't bump as much because their rings are very very hard. But right. he has he has made some of those changes. He's training. Like he's he's teaching Brie Bella, like some new stuff. And WWE is like, no, you can't put that on your YouTube. You can't put that here. You can't put that there. What kind of stuff we is he teaching her? Like in case she wants to come back to the ring, she wants to return next yeah, yeah. year. Yeah, her and her and Nikki both, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. I mean, let's let's be real; they're not beyond learning a few things from Daniel. <laughs> Bryan, so. Yeah, or from anybody else for that matter. That's true. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens, man. I I still think that Daniel Bryan is gonna stick with the company. That's just my gut feel, especially when I, you look at everything that Bree's doing. I just think he's gonna stay. I think that he will be there at least after next year. Mm-hmm. I, now, I'm not saying that. He'll be there through next year. I think he will wrestle again. He's yeah. going to wrestle somewhere. Right. Now, if that means he's got to take some time off from WWE and then come back later as a figurehead or something, I think he'll do that because I think WWE likes him way too much to mm-hmm. to do that. And good for him for, like, part of his entertaining nature is that he is so transparent about what he wants. I like that. Right, right. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, I always think back, and I realize concussions are a different beast, but I always think back to Shawn Michaels at the uh, Cyber Tuesday, or Cyber Sunday, whatever Taboo it was. Tuesday. Taboo Tuesday. Ta- yeah. Whatever one it was, when he was voted and he had a bum leg and he could barely walk to the ring. He had torn meniscus. He and he he was cleared still. Like, he still did the match. And again, I, I like I said, I know concussions are a whole different beast, but... I think uh, Daniel Bryan is more than smart enough to change his style and do away with the with the outside dives and do away, you know, the drop kick where he does a back bump. Yeah, which I've always hated. It's such a dangerous move. I could see him doing away with that, and uh, so long as he's in with the right opponent, he doesn't have Sheamus trying to kick his head off. Then, yeah. uh, then he should be okay. I think. I will say Shawn Michaels getting cleared for that did help become the catalyst for an edge heel turn because he was mad that he didn't get voted in, <laughs> even though everybody knew Shawn Michaels had that bum leg. And he was like, Triple H beat you. I could have beaten him then. Right. I thought that was a very cool catalyst for a for a heel turn in Edge. So after we spoke about this Daniel Bryan <clears throat> possible indie run, um, well, before we spoke about it, I spoke to Jack Swagger, who had never experienced the independent circuit before walking away from WWE. WWE wanted to renew him, and he said, no, I'll pass. And I asked him what kind of transition this has been uh, to the independent circuit that he was completely unfamiliar with. Here you go, guys. Now, I know that you have it. You've uh, made a very cognizant effort to not really overexpose yourself in the months after leaving WWE. Uh, what what have you learned since then working an independent circuit that really you, you hadn't worked before? This, this seems like kind of uncharted territory for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very uncharted territory. Um, I got uh, so much help. It's just a great response from 
the locker rooms that I've uh, been a part of and the promotions that I've got to work for, it's, it's been unbelievable. Uh, really surprised by it. Um, not that I wasn't expecting, you know, something awful. It was just, it was so helpful and like everyone like bent over backward for anything and any questions I would have. So uh, I know, I knew going into it that it was uncharted territory, like you said, and I really made a focus of like, uh, trying to learn every day. And, uh, I, I see the biggest thing is, uh, even, um, in the indie scene, you still need that, that fan momentum. That's still the natural, the thing that's really important to create, whether it's your charisma, your character, how you wrestle, uh, you need to get people talking about you. And it's a little bit bigger of a fan base uh, that you have to contact and reach. So uh, it's been exciting and uh, been learning and hopefully getting better. One of the things I've noticed is like the array of different styles and personalities and experiences that you have faced since leaving WWE. I mean, I'm talking like from Doug Williams to like the UK hooligans to Donovan Dijak, who just got signed by WWE to guys like Billy Gunn and Tommy Dreamer to like Cody Hall, Cody Hall, uh, Mike Elgin and Warbeard Hanson. Yeah. Both on, it was great. A lot of great matches, very lucky. And, uh, it's really, really been cool to, uh, to like see, uh, the different styles and what everyone brings and the stuff that they do inside the ring to get their uh, moments and whatnot. Cause it's really on this side. I feel like it's all about creating moments in the matches. So what goes in uh, with you coming from WWE and you spending your entire career there to working the independent scene when somebody were to contact you, you give them like your flat fee and say, there you go. That, that's what it is. They try to negotiate with you. How, how does that work out for you? Yeah, some try to negotiate, and then, um, you know, some go with uh, the past relationship that we have or recommended through a friend, so makes it uh, a little bit easier. Um, but normally, I, uh, I, I'm i very willing to uh, do an array of things, and uh, I, I just use uh, my price as a jumping-off point, and we go from there. Um, and it you know, it's still, that's another thing you have to learn about it, like how to accurately price yourself, um, you know, what your value is. And then of course you got to make sure that you do the proper promotion and, uh, bring in the numbers for that price. How has travel been for you in comparison? I know that Cody Rhodes has said, man, the travel has been even worse for me since I left WWE. And I know that you've wrestled in UK, uh, Australia, you've been all over the place. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's um, a little bit rougher. I think just because when you do the multiple shows, a lot of times like Cody and I are doing, um, it, it's a flight every day. And when it's a flight every day, that changes everything. That's, that's a whole different ball game. And so that gets a little rough. Um, and then if, if you go international uh, and you fly in the morning of the show uh, you get a couple hours of sleep and you just wake up and you're jet lagged. So I've, it, it's been nice to like go in the night before now and uh, go with that because the travel has been rough, but you know, it's part of the, it's part of uh, the perks of the job as well. So you gotta, you know, realize what you're doing and enjoy it. 
All right, you guys are back. Got a lot of stuff coming up with with Jack Swagger, who kind of got it all handed to him a little early in WWE, and it it never worked out the way that it probably could have for Jack Swagger because Jimmy, imagine had they done that We the People angle three years later. You know, when he was the ECW champion, uh, I don't even know what year that was anymore. He was pretty new to the company. I saw so much in Jack Swagger. Yep. He, he's one of these guys that's deceptively enormous. You know oh, what I mean? yeah. He's because huge. he's, what is he, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and, and you, don't, you don't realize this sometimes. But uh, I will say one thing, and I've said this before, so I'm kind of repeating myself. But uh, I think sometimes these guys, that are, they're used to the WWE schedule. Uh, and then they leave WWE and they take to the independence, and they're so looking forward to it because of the freedom, because they can book their own shots, they can you know name their price and all that. And then after a while, they start to figure out, shit, this promoter didn't pay me, that promoter canceled last minute and left me scrambling for another booking. I got to make sure my hotel is booked. I got to make sure my flight is booked. I think that's why AJ Styles uh, went back to sign with WWE when he had the chance. Mm-hmm. I also think that's why Cody Rhodes signed exclusively with Ring of Honor domestically. Because uh, the indies are tough, and I I'm, I want to see how long Swagger lasts. Depending on how full time of a schedule he chooses, yeah. I want to see how long he lasts on the indies because it's a tough racket. It is, and he when you look at him, you're like, well, that's the kind of guy New Japan would want, but it's it's not worked out yet. You look at the other options. Well, Dutch Mantel's working at Impact, so you got to think eventually there's going to be some interest there. I think he is going to be a name that we see and like occasionally you'll hear man Jack Swagger had a really awesome match I didn't mm-hmm. like because we didn't get to see a lot of that in WWE because he was restricted kind of we got to mm-hmm. see some good ones we got to see some cool moments like the money in the bank and him cashing in and mm-hmm. I liked his feud with Christian as well right but I think he was a guy that was never really used to his potential especially with all the heat around the we the people storyline and the political landscape that happened just a couple years later. Could you imagine them doing that in 2016 when you have, if you had an Alberto Del Rio and an Andrade Cien Almas who is really reaching his potential in NXT right now? Mm-hmm. I think I think he can do some pretty cool stuff, and he's still in his mid-30s, which is not that old for mm-hmm. a pro wrestler these days. For sure, for sure. Uh, okay, I want to talk about WWE Raw, and specifically I want to talk about the SmackDown Invasion. Um, first, first and foremost, I'll just ask you, what did you think about the SmackDown invasion and how it all went down? What did you think of that? I think that we've seen it about a million times. It, it, happened, it used to happen like every year. It happened with like ECW. It's happened a lot. So everybody's saying that it's new and different. It's not. It's mm-hmm. not new or different. All I want is a reason. Mm-hmm. That's it. I just want a reason, not we wear the same color shirt. Let's mm-hmm. go kick the shit out of these guys. That ain't enough for me. That's not enough uh, for Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode to be fighting side by side. Exactly. And then bickering and then bickering. And then they even have to reference it. They reference it and then they they don't make sense of it. Just say that Raw costs SmackDown some money. That's it. Vince McMahon likes his guys to be beyond worrying about money. They're superstars. They're Mm -hmm. larger than life. They don't worry about money. They're, They're superstars. Yeah, that's the whole point of this fighting each other thing is that people who win are supposed to make more money than people who lose. Mm-hmm. People with the full houses make more money than people with the 1,000, 2,000 people in the crowd. That's the way it's supposed to be portrayed. And all it's got to be is, hey, we were asked to send AJ Styles over to, to Raw. 
when you you all never do us favors, you want to take money out of our pockets. Okay, well we'll we'll show up and make you pay for it some way or another. Just anything. Give me any reason. See the like, problem. The problem with that is that Shane McMahon is the boss. It's, sure. Like, in in storyline. Hey, maybe Angle stepped on his J's. I don't know. <laughs> so you know what my issue is, Sean? And and you know how sometimes I say I hate being negative all the time because there is positives to wrestling. And I hate being negative all the time. The issue that I have. Uh, and this is a this is a, a, a me problem. This is not a wrestling fan problem per se. It's a me problem. Is I have trouble investing emotionally in a story when it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And this is my problem. And this has always been my problem. And so, how many years, like you said, they've been doing this brain extension thing? And what they inevitably always do is they do crossover because they've always done it. So yeah. you'll have. I remember one year. I think Mark Henry was the Raw champion one year. Uh, and Mark Henry defended his title on Raw against Chris Jericho, who was a SmackDown guy, and they did it for no reason as a one-off. And that's an example of what they do. And uh, how many times have we seen where they do all this crossover, but then as soon as it's time for either the Survivor Series or for the WrestleMania Battle Royal, then all of a sudden they got, these guys are bleeding red and these guys are bleeding blue. But then when that's over, then they're back to doing the crossover thing again. It's, uh, it's hard for me to, to, to just believe it because it just lacks sense. And like you said, not only was Dolph and Bobby Roode side by side, uh, AJ and Baron Corbin and Ty Dillinger were all fighting together. And Baron Corbin, what the fuck was he even doing there? He's the lone wolf. Why does he even care? Like, how does that even make sense that he'd even be a part of it? It doesn't. And when doesn't I was watching sense. it, when I was watching that, in, that invasion thing go down, and I was watching Dolph and Bobby Roode, I was thinking to myself, how are they even going to do a SmackDown show now? Because these guys are on the same page now. Like, how are they even going to be able... And then SmackDown the very next night, they're back doing their program again. Right? Well, was Sin Cara there? He got beat uh, up by Baron. Yes, he was there, I believe. Okay. No, I don't know if he was, to be honest. I don't remember. Becky Lynch is the only one that tried to make any damn sense out of this. She did. They had them film videos after this, and she, she was like, I got drafted to SmackDown, and I couldn't have been happier. The land of opportunity... And I had that opportunity taken away from me because Raw headlines every single joint pay-per-view. They get all the credit. They get all of this. Okay, that's okay to have a chip on your shoulder. Cool. But you've got to make a little more sense out of it than just blue versus red. Yeah. Okay, well, me and Jimmy Van should be punching each other in the face right now. So <laughs> Especially a guy like Baron, given his character. Baron exactly. should Baron should be out there saying, "Look, Shane McMahon promised me a hundred grand if I yeah. would right." That's all they'd have to do, and then everybody would be like, "Well, that makes sense," because Baron Corbin doesn't give a shit anyway. But if he's promised a bonus, right, that makes sense. They made the idea. They, you know, like I said, Vince removes the idea of money so much. Like very rarely, unless he's giving away money to fans, right? Will he portray it as being important? I can't remember the last time there was like a. A money type of thing. There was Shawn Michaels when he was broke and had to work for JBL, and I think that worked. It made Shawn really sympathetic and stuff. He blew through his money. He screwed right. up, which is kind of legitimate. Well, there you go. Um, but just say it. Just that's money is a motivator. Almost everybody can relate to that. So since you're bringing that up, I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward to another point I was gonna make. If I even wrote it down, I think I did. Since you're bringing it up, uh, shit, I didn't write it down. Uh, so I want to talk about what, what uh, William Regal said on Twitter. Sure. So AJ Styles, after uh, the TLC pay-per-view, uh, he was on the post-pay-per-view uh, uh, network show. 
and he said, uh, he said, you know, the match with Finn Balor was pretty good considering there was no buildup, there was no story, and that's kind of what he said, right? Actually, I got it right here. William Regal, I guess in response to that, posted it on Twitter, and he said, when wrestlers say, ah, but we had a cold match, no story, I always say that, of course, you've got a story. You have to beat that person across the ring from you, or you can't feed yourself. Anything else you got to work with is a bonus. And I understand what he's saying about that. The problem is, like you, you just said, like you just said, they never reference it. Never. 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 Going to the pay window isn't a thing anymore. No, and, and the thing is, is you remember when Brock first came back in 2012, he referred to himself as a prize fighter, and Heyman used to always pull Brock out of the ring from a, from a schmoz because he'd tell him, you got to wait for the pay-per-view, right? When Kevin Owens was first around, he referred to himself as a prize fighter. He kind of did the same thing. He wouldn't want to wrestle on TV because he'd want to wait for the pay-per-view because, in theory, that's where you make most of your money. Right? Correct. I remember back in the 80s, Gorilla Monsoon, how many times would somebody get intentionally disqualified and Gorilla Monsoon would say, well, he just lost the winner's purse. He used to it's... do it all, all the time. They don't do it now. And so for William Regal to, to make that reference, I don't disagree with them, but they don't do it ever. So it... Jimmy, I was, I've, I've referenced this a few times. How dumb does it sound when, an, when Adolph Ziggler comes out and says, I have the best matches. Who gives a shit? Right. Who, who, why would you care in that scope of things? Well, say Shane McMahon bonuses me for having the best match. Right. You know, like Dana White and the UFC do for performance of the nights across the UFC. They are incentive. When Donald Cerrone goes out there and gets into a 15-minute battle with somebody, I know that he's cognizant. He's aware. He has a reason to do that because we know they're bonused. It takes one comment, Mm -hmm. one offhand line in a backstage promo, Shane saying – Wow, those bonuses I, I'm giving out for best match of the night really are working. Mm-hmm. You're it. right. You're right. One thing. Yeah. One you're right. thing. You're right. They don't do it. Now, to, to Regal's thing, like, he's right, he is right. At, on the independent circuit. But Finn Balor and AJ Styles, come on, that wasn't, like, cold. That was the two leaders of Bullet Club that finally clashed and met. And you can say that. Nobody knows who Bullet Club is. Nobody knows who New Japan was. People are aware oh, absolutely. of that, absolutely. of that affiliation. They did the two sweet hand gesture. And it got a giant pop. Absolutely. People for sure. And, and this is why we always talk about it now. This is one of WWE's issues, as we've talked about, is they disrespect the intelligence of their fans. And they don't recognize that their fans are very savvy now. And they, they, they read the news and they know what's going on. They absolutely knew what they were doing, for sure. Right? I completely agree. Yeah. I, I agree with Regal's sentiment. I disagree with the the idea that that was a cold match. That was, to many people, a dream match. To me, not necessarily. A... I mean, AJ said that himself. He said yeah. that on the on the post pay per view show. So because it was thrown together kind of last minute. Do you think they should have gotten Gallows and Anderson involved to some degree? I think that would have been amazing if they had done something with Gallows. And I think they posted something on social media about wanting to be there, right? Carl Anderson and Gallows post a lot of stuff on there. Like Gallows put. Thanks for the invite, guys. Then right. on Monday, he said, oh, no, SmackDown invaded Raw. However, could that happen? <laughs> <laughs> type of thing. Now, one other thing about Finn Balor, and you already kind of addressed it. I just feel the need to address it. I realize they're building up Kane for a, a program with Braun. I get it. Uh, but when Kane is 50 years old, Kane is very publicly running for mayor of wherever it is in Tennessee, Knox County. Yeah. 
he's clearly going to be a part-timer, or it's going to be probably a, a, a short-time stint. Finn Balor is one of these guys that, in theory, is one of the building blocks of the Raw brand. I could not believe they put him over clean, over Finn Balor on Raw. Um, I just don't understand the mentality of that. And, uh, and I, I, I want to address something that you said on the post-Smackdown podcast. Uh, you guys were talking about Shinsuke Nakamura and, and how he's, uh, you know, is, doesn't really have a lot of momentum right now. You made reference to, uh, well, part of that is because of Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm-hmm. And I kind of disagree with that. And, and the reason I disagree with that with both Finn Balor and with Shinsuke Nakamura is because they both came out of NXT with a massive amount of momentum, both of them. And we've talked about it before, the whole Paul Heyman mentality. I think in NXT, and it's probably because of Triple H's influence again, he understands you accentuate the strengths and you hide the weaknesses. That's what you do, right? Shinsuke Nakamura is not a good promo, so you don't have him in the ring cutting promos. That was dumb. Right? Finn Pallor is not a great promo either, so you minimize his in-ring promos. They bring these guys to, to Raw and to SmackDown. Not only are they cutting promos in the ring, but they're making them lose clean to the likes of Jinder Mahal and Bray Wyatt and now Kane, that is why, in my opinion, they are where they are on the card. Uh, and I'm sure Vince Man would say, well, they're not reaching for the brass ring. And like, you know, Cesaro, he said, well, maybe it's because he's Swiss. Maybe, he, maybe Vince is going to say, well, maybe it's because he's Japanese and, and whatever. But uh, their booking's been horrendous. And, and that is why Shinsuke's momentum is gone. And that's why Balor now is a mid-card guy. It's because of how he's handled. Well, my reference about Nakamura and, and Balor to a degree before that was their in-ring stuff. I didn't like Finn Balor's matches for a long time. I've really liked them over the last couple of months. They've been good. Nakamura, I haven't enjoyed his work on the main roster. Putting them in that position does not help them. Not at all. We, no. me, Myself and Jeff had an argument about, argument about Asuka. She's booked virtually the same way she was on NXT. She's been good she so far. Lost. Nope, she hasn't good. lost. Yep. She won in four minutes, and then she beat Emma before that. Yep. Keep in mind that she beat Emma in like 15 minutes a couple years ago. So by all indications, she improved. Yep. Um, if they have her out there cutting long promos, that's dumb. Absolutely. They should insert her at the top of the card. I think that's more of how you make a star than just squash. Because we've seen that before. Right. Rusev, Braun Strowman, Ryback. Uh, we, we've seen them go on the, the squash match undefeated streak and then slowly gain more competition. That is a tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. Put her up there. Let everybody know that she belongs there. They were planning on doing that with Finn Balor two years ago, if you remember, or was it last, last year? Last year, before he and got hurt. And he got hurt, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nakamura is at, was at the top of the card, never really got beat clean, so they had that amount of confidence in him, but they, they could always do more, but... I am I am almost dreading Asuka's booking because I'm afraid they're going to have her lose clean to Nia Jax, maybe even Alexa Bliss. That. I feel like, and again, I, I don't know if it's ignorance on their part. I, I feel like Miss Man is thinking, oh, we're going to use her steam in order to put steam on somebody else kind of thing. So I really hope they don't do it. And uh, Shinsuke is still one of my favorites, and I hate seeing him where he is. I saw there was a picture that they took of the SmackDown guys that did the invasion. Did you see that photo? Yeah, I did. And Shinsuke was leaning against the wall, and he looked like he'd rather be somewhere else. Honestly. Probably would. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, that's a shame, man. That guy should be a unique special talent, and they're, they're turning him into the Orient Express. Like, it just fucking sucks. Yeah. You know? so. they, they can always do better with a lot of these people they bring up from NXT. Right. They got Elias getting interrupted every week. Like, I love Elias. <laughs> Elias is fantastic. And he's, he's, fantastic. he's went above and beyond. Yeah, that guy, we, we talk sometimes about having a presence. Elias has a presence about him, man. He's got a look, he's got a presence, and just the way he looks at the people and everything, that guy's got a presence. 
And uh, again, I hope they don't screw it up. I didn't mind that he lost to Jason Jordan because they made it look like a fluke. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's Elias is great. He's great. I hope that they, uh, like I said, I hope they don't screw it up. Nigel, let's go to stupid people because I got uh, I got one tailor made for Sean Ross Sapp today. Oh boy, sounds good. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boy's easy opening, smooth pouring container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. All right, we're back. Okay, man. So I was telling Nigel uh, off the air, whenever I source these stupid people news stories, oh, and once again, thanks to Trevor Strong, trevorstrong.org for the usage of the stupid song. When I uh, source these stories, some weeks I'm lucky if I'm able to get two good ones, and then I have to get creative on the third one. This week I had like seven or eight to choose from, Sean. Great. A lot of stupid shit happened this week. So uh, (laughs) this first one was uh, sent in by a gentleman by the name of Nigel. From Toronto, Ontario, and yeah. uh, it was reported from Mississauga. Mississauga, yeah, oh, right, I guess yeah. from Mississauga. <laughs> it was reported by CBC News on October 22nd. I think you're going to like this one too, too, Sean. But this isn't the one I picked for you. 38-year-old, and I, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name. Taufik Mawala was pulled over by Montreal police and given a ticket for 149 bucks for screaming in public after he'd been singing along to the 90s dance hit, Gonna Make You Sweat, a.k.a. Everybody Dance Now, in his car. He was quoted by CBC News as saying, I was singing loudly in my car. Is there something that forbids that, or did I really bother anyone? Uh, He contested the ticket, and now he's waiting to hear the status of it. Can you believe that? Guy's singing Everybody Dance Now, and he got a ticket for 149 bucks. Yeah, it sounds about $149 uh, less than what I would have ticketed him for. There you go. This next one, Sean, I picked it for you, man. I want to see what you say about this one. It was reported by the Daily Mail on October 24th, and I know that sometimes the Daily Mail does fake news, but they had photos, so I tend to think this one's legitimate. Uh, A woman, and I actually wrote down on this thing, a stupid woman, because she is a stupid woman. (laughs) That's what I wrote, Nigel. A stupid woman from the Ukraine named Elena Ivanikaya is under investigation for animal cruelty after she tattooed her pet cat. What? She had a winged Egyptian god tattooed onto the chest of her hairless sphinx. Right in the middle of the chest. Kind of like a Conor McGregor size, if you do the size comparison. Conor McGregor size, a winged Egyptian god. Uh, Picture showed up online. She got hammered with complaints, as you can imagine. And she commented on social media, and this is a quote, This cat's life is better than yours. Maybe it's hell for you, 
She said, maybe it's hell for you, but he feels just fine. Quote. That's what she said. Like, where do I even start on some of these? Because I knew six cats. I knew you would not be appreciate that. And I've got a cat, no, too. No, I don't appreciate it. No. It's, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. Yes. It's, is she going to jail? Is she... Well, she's under, she's under investigation right now for animal cruelty, so it's not at that oh, point. Oh, she yet. better go to jail. She and better go to jail. if you look it up, if you look up a uh, tattooed cat or a tattooed, tattooed cat Egyptian god, you'll probably find the photos. It's literally in the middle of this cat's chest. <laughs> like... It's I'm unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Look it up. It's there. Just don't don't ruin the internet with the podcast, Sean. Oh, Jesus. I just saw it. Yeah. Can you believe that they would do that to a cat? Is that amazing? Oh, my gosh. And I'm, I see the woman here. Yep. and She's one of those typical social media, uh, you know, I wanna, I'm going to post photos in a bikini because I want followers. Her lips are the size of a billboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Like she probably did this as a social media stunt. Very I possible. mean, if you have to hold an animal's head like that while it well, you're it, doing was, it. it was it uh, was under. They put it under. Oh my God! Yeah, and you know what? I know this from experience. Uh, when cats, because that cat is not exactly a kitten. When cats are adults, they don't recommend that you put them under for stuff no. like that because it can. They they say that number one, cats are aware of what's going on even when they're under, mm-hmm. and number two, uh, sometimes they don't come out of it. They don't come out of it, and cats have fairly, from what in my experience, fair memories. Right. And like, if they hate somebody, they it's not easy for them to warm up once they've reached a certain age. Right. What a dipshit. <laughs> Nigel, did I pick them this week or what? Oh yeah, no, for I sure. I knew she'd like. I knew he'd like that one. This last one, and damn it, I should have. I, I should have kept the cat one for last. Is what I should have done. <laughs> But this one's pretty good, too. It was reported by KSL-TV out of Salt Lake City, Utah, on October 24th. 46-year-old Shane Paul Owen, a described career criminal who had warrants out for his arrest in addition to being a suspect in a string of burglaries, he was being hunted by police after they got a tip as to his whereabouts. Uh, They spotted him. There was a car chase. The police set up those tire spikes, blew out the guy's tires. The guy got out of his car, and he got away on foot. He broke into an old church tried to hide in the boiler room in the church, discovered once he got inside the boiler room that there was no door handle on the inside so that he, he was stuck in there. So he did the only logical thing, Sean. He called 911. So, Jimmy, <laughs> I told you this this Friday, family, we're going out for the Halloween event Saturday. I have hosted one or two in the past. Um my wife and I are dressing up as the Wet Bandits. The oh, yes. Bandits of course. Home Alone fame. Yeah, yeah. I know what one you're going to be. Was this one of them? Uh, yeah, he could have been. I mean, I don't know if he ran water in the boiler room. Let's, let's but, be honest. Uh, let's be honest. They would have found a way out of that even. As dense as they were. Possible, possible. And it goes without saying, he got arrested. Because the cops showed up 911. Oh, yeah, he got arrested. Got arrested, yeah. Did, did a woman show up? With bird seed after they had been tarred, and, <laughs> and then birds attacked them. Yeah, did, I think... old, did did the church's old neighbor show up with a shovel and crack <laughs> in the skull? What was his name again? Because you know that movie too well, Mister Mister. I don't know. Uh, look it up because you look up everything. Turtle right. devs. So. <laughs> <What's> that? <laughs> so and you know what really sucks for me is I know every reference that you just said. I know them yeah. all. Yeah. It's a great, it's a classic. It's my favorite Christmas 
uh, themed movies up there with Die Hard 1 and 2. And I've had this argument with my wife. I say that Toy Story is Christmas themed because of the clothes. Yeah. It was, okay. it was released around Christmas. They didn't put it out on home video until like the following Christmas season. Yeah. They, I always associated it with Christmas. So my opinion, greatest Christmas movie of all time, my opinion, Bad Santa Director's Cut. Good call. If you were going to say Love Christmas that movie. Story, if you said a Christmas story, I may have quit on the spot, Jimmy. No, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen that from start to finish. Good. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. But Bad Santa Director's Cut, best Christmas movie of all time. And then I would also put in my top five, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's oh, got yeah, to be up one. there. I love that one, And too. Scrooged with Bill Murray. Have you seen Scrooged? I have. Uh, got to be up there. Office Christmas Party that dropped last year was a lot of fun, too. That, yeah, I've only seen it once, but that was all right, too. Yeah. Yep. So there you Good go. Stuff. So uh, last week, we were talking about Jinder Mahal. And we were talking about how mind-boggling it is that he's going to get a match with Brock Lesnar at the Survivor Series when he was enhancement talent for eight months. He's going to get a match with Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. And there have been hints at a program with John Cena for Jinder Mahal, right? And we just thought that's, that's unbelievable. It has uh, been reported. We know that the, the match with Brock is happening at the Survivor Series. It's been, it's been confirmed. Uh, it's been reported that John Cena is going to be the guest referee leading into a program with Jinder and John Cena over the WWE title. Isn't that amazing that Jinder Mahal is going to get a match with Brock Lesnar and he's going to get a program with John Cena? Isn't that unbelievable? I like his entrance. It is a good entrance. I love his entrance. That's cool. It makes him look like a star. It does. Other than that, do they need those ad clicks that are going to get them 1.5 cents each making that nothing. bad? Do they need nothing. to sell out those arenas where you can charge a couple bucks for tickets? Like You know, I would – well, they, no, they get paid for those shows. Those are paid shows. Okay. So. I would love for Brandon Howard, if you're listening, because Brandon's really good at the economical stuff, I would love it if you could somehow find out how Jinder Mahal's run since May has impacted their India business. Is there a way that you can find out – uh, anything about merchandise, I know it's difficult, but anything about merchandise, anything about subscriptions, uh, maybe he could look up how many views Jenner's videos have done on YouTube. I would love to know the financial impact because I still think it has not worked. Yeah. But uh, I, will, I will give props to WWE. They are going full bore with this because Brock and John Cena programs is unbelievable. Good for Jinder Mahal, though. I mean, that's amazing for him. Yeah, good for him. Uh, yeah. People like him. I yeah, mean, when I... I don't dislike him. You know, I just think he's, it's not the spot for him, but uh, good for, good for Jinder, man. I, uh, okay, this next one, Sean, <sighs> let's talk about Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Which, which we have done for, I just want to say this, like there were some weeks I was like, I can't believe we're still talking about this, but they keep giving us reasons, they being Impact, Global Force Wrestling, Jeff yeah. Jarrett. It's almost like the running gag of this show. You know something? And the, the fact that this happened makes you look like a soothsayer. No, you, so you know what? So I've gotten a few messages from people. I've gotten a few private messages on Twitter and whatnot from people giving me props saying I called this in January. But the mm -hmm. thing is, this was not – I'm not some brilliant mind because I called this. I think this was pretty expected, don't you think? Like I, yeah. I, think, I think that in January when Anthem announced that they were bringing Jeff Jarrett back – I think the general consensus was, you know, melodramatic, I think. Um, I think it was just an obvious thing. Now, I, I want to say this. So first and foremost, 
Uh, Impact Wrestling announced on uh, October 23rd via Twitter. This is a quote. Impact Wrestling announced today that it has terminated its business relationship with Jeff Jarrett and Global Force Entertainment, Inc., effective immediately. So before it was a leave of absence, now they've made it official that he's gone from the company. Um, I don't know if the timing is, is, you know, with what happened to Jarrett last week, and I don't know if that had something to do with it, but Ryan Satin reported for Pro Wrestling Sheet. Uh, Jeff was, uh, he was booked for a double shot last weekend in Alberta for Real Canadian Wrestling, Friday in Calgary and, and Saturday in Edmonton. The promoter, uh, Stephen Iwaschuk, sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, he told Ryan Satin that Jarrett allegedly showed up late to the Calgary show on Friday. He was slightly intoxicated. He told the promoter that he had an issue at customs. Um, he allegedly passed out backstage because he was drinking and, and allegedly passed out backstage. Now, here's where I know if this promoter is telling the truth, here's where I know that Jarrett's bullshit. Uh, the promoter claims that Jeff Jarrett told him he had to go back to the airport at 6 o'clock the next morning in order to settle the customs problem. I know that's bullshit because when you're in the country, you're in the country. Yes. Right? And so to say, oh, hey, they let me in and I'm here and I can do the show, but I got to go back at 6 o'clock to deal with it, that's utter nonsense. I think yeah. it's clear he wanted to go home. And uh, so anyway, so he did the show on the Friday night in Calgary. Footage of it is on YouTube. It was somewhat reminiscent of Triple Mania when, uh, when he was, uh, let's say, not at his best. And that led to Ed Nordholm uh, pulling him from, uh, from Impact at that time. Uh, all I want to say is I hope he gets the help he needs. We've already, yeah. we've already talked about the relationship. We've already kind of talked about you know, the, 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 the mistakes and issues along the way. But I don't want to poke fun at his problem or his current issues. Hope he gets the help he needs. Uh, Jarrett did speak to the Tennessean news publication on October 23rd, which is the day that Impact made their announcement. He wouldn't comment on that, but he did say, quote, I've spent 31 years in the wrestling business. I'm not getting out of the wrestling business. So good luck to him, man. I don't know what he's planning to do. Global Force, uh, maybe he's going to do some more minor league ballpark shows or something. I don't know. But he has said, he said things like impacts out of money. He's come across very. Did he say that? Yeah. When he told he told WrestleZone that. Yeah. He did. Yeah, he did. And oh my god. Okay. So you're saying you didn't call it, but you did, Jimmy. You said that he was going to take Ed Nord home for a ride, and he literally did. They rode around the country together. The world, but, dude. They rode around the world. Yeah. Japan, the UK, and Mexico on Anthem's dime. On Anthem's dime. Yep. Jimmy, I don't get it. I don't get it. I used to go uh, when I was 19 or 20 years old. I went to WrestlingInformer.net. Loved the website. Really fun website. Mm -hmm. Had a lot of cool profiles and stuff. When it failed, it went out of business, ceased to exist. When you wanted to start a wrestling website, you didn't say, you know what? Let me go get WrestlingInformer.net. <laughs> it failed. It didn't work out. It it just didn't work. No, you started your own thing. Mm -hmm. If they had this, it had to be the TV deal. That's the only thing. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so if it's a TV deal, one, the one on Pop doesn't mean a damn thing. Doesn't mean a damn thing. It's what do you mean? What do you mean? On... What do you mean when you say it had to be the TV deal? Do you mean why Anthem got involved? Yes. No, they, but... got, they got involved for the tape library. In the tape library. Yeah, That's that, the that, only reason. That's the only reason. And I would have just waited it out. Just waited it out. I don't know. I don't get it. Now you've got 
ironically, Billy Corgan running NWA, and to their credit, they've been putting out some cool digital stuff. They got Dave Lagana doing that. I've mm-hmm. enjoyed some of the digital stuff they're doing. They're making a social media presence. I've seen their Twitter and stuff like that. It looks like he's making a good effort there. I liked a lot of the changes that were made to Impact. Uh, I don't like all the agent changes, obviously, because Shane Helms, Pat Kenny, Al Snow were very well regarded. Also, you had Al Snow and Shane Helms who said, yeah, I know that this company's not doing that well financially. We'll also perform as on-screen talent at a reduced rate for you to make mm-hmm. it work. But the roster switch-ups, their roster looks real fun right now. They mm-hmm. – like I'm sitting here looking like, okay, you all had four X Division guys when you were trying to make this change. Now you have all these Lucha Underground guys and AAA guys. This MMA storyline they have going on with Bobby Lashley is badass. We talked to Colby Covington about mm-hmm. it uh, at Fightful.com. They've got some cool stuff going on. Nobody's watching. But I know that there, I know there are a couple of their wrestlers who flat out just told me we have checked out. Nobody's watching it, man. Nobody watches it. Oh. 250,000 viewers a week you, in the U.S. Nobody's watching it. Do you think that's because it's just tainted? People are like, I'm done. I've done it too many times. Because I remember when I got back in, on board, it was the summer of 2012. They had some real good TV. They were building mm-hmm. up to this aces and eights thing. And then it, they popped it up. Sons of Anarchy ripoff, Claire Lynch storyline. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. not doing it. I'm not doing it. I think the fact of the matter is, I think the viewers they have are their hardcore wrestling fans, especially when it's on a channel like Pop TV that not everybody can get. That's their hardcore wrestling audience. You see it with WWE all the time. They bring in John Cena to pop a rating. They, bring, they put Vincent Mann on television to pop a rating. They brought back Kurt Angle and they popped a rating on Raw. With the casual audience, that's what you need if you want to get your numbers up. A guy like Jeff Hardy helped them pop a rating, right? Yeah. Back in the day, they brought in Hogan. They had Angle. They had uh, all those, if you want to call them WWE cast-offs, they helped pop a rating. Anthem yeah. took over, and they had no choice. And, and Ed Nornholm said it himself on the Observer interview. They had no choice but to slash costs, right? That meant that they cut all that high talent, except for maybe a Lashley and one or two other guys. Cutting that high talent meant that those casuals are gone. They're gone. That means that you're left with your hardcore audience. The brand is tainted because of month of, over month over month over month of losing talent, questionable storyline decisions, whatever. Oh, it's a tainted brand, and, and uh, I don't see them making money. I don't. And, and I, I said from the very beginning, I don't know why Anthem bought it because the tape library, when you think about how much they've spent, Sean, between what they had to pay back Billy Corgan, what they had to pay back uh, uh, Aerolux, uh, keeping the, the, the place afloat, they have spent millions of dollars. Vincent Mann paid $2.5 million for the WCW tape library. And I realized that was 15 years ago. But come on, the WCW tape library is worth what, 10 times, 100 times what the, t- what the, what the impact yeah. of the library is worth? Well, I'll say this about Mr. McMahon, and I know that we should on Mr. McMahon for creative decisions uh, and, and rightfully deserved at times. Vince McMahon has made pretty smart business decisions if you look at his track record, right up to the network, which I've, I've heard was his idea. And I'm sure he had people pointing him in the right direction. But it was still ultimately his call, and I think it was it was a wise decision. We heard the story about how Shane McMahon wanted to buy ECW, and Vince said, just wait, right? We'll get mm-hmm. into bankruptcy court for pennies on the dollar. If I was Anthem, and, and I wasn't, there's no chance I would have ever spent money on Impact Wrestling, but, but if I was Anthem, I would have said, you know what? We have him on the Fight Network now. We see value in that tape library. Let's just sit on the sidelines for six months, 
because they're imploding. And then we'll call up Dixie Carter. We'll say, you know what? We'll cut you a check for a million bucks. Give us that tape library and we're good. Look at what Sinclair's do. done with Ring of Honor. Yeah. Ring of, Ring of Honor making money. I, I, I'll ask you this. I, I really like what Ring of Honor does, putting their television show on the internet after it airs on Sinclair, which to me that, that speaks volumes about Sinclair as deplorable as they may be as a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they value Ring of Honor's growth because ideally if you run a broadcast company, you want to just maximize the eyeballs on that broadcast company mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you had this property. But they're like, no, if people miss it or they can't get access to it, they can go to our website. Impact is going to have the same thing with the Global Wrestling Network. I believe a couple weeks later, yeah. Impact will be free on the Global Wrestling Network where you don't have to – it's not behind a paywall, I believe. Yep. Do you think that will help at all? Because one of the reasons when I don't have to watch Impact, mm-hmm. I don't – I I have DirecTV. I have one of the highest packages on DirecTV. Mm-hmm. I get this in standard definition. Yeah. Their videos from 2010 look better than what I see on Impact right now. Yeah. And yeah. it's not because of production quality. It's because the channel isn't in HD. Yeah. It's not going to make a difference, the over-the-top service. And I'll say, yeah. I'll say this about Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is in a better spot than Impact because Sinclair is syndicating it in markets that can then be picked up in other markets. For example, I'm in Toronto. They're syndicated in Buffalo, New York. I can get that on cable. Yeah. Right? Uh, and uh, all TNA has is Pop TV, and, and I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of the country can't get it. In Canada, they're on the Fight Network, which I believe is a pay channel. Uh, and like I've told you before, I don't know anybody that watches the Fight Network. Uh, Ring of Honor is in a much better place in terms of television than, uh, than, than Impact is. And again, you look at the Impact uh, viewers on YouTube, and I realize that they don't do their full show like you said. It's segments that they put on YouTube. They get like We get more views for this podcast, Sean. Then they get on a lot of their videos on YouTube. It's a it's a tainted brand, and that's what it is. It has a, it has a, a negative reputation, and it's going to take either a major talent jumping ship, uh, or uh, eventually it's just not going to work out. I mean, Anthem's not making any money. They haven't made money since the first day, and they're bleeding money. And Ed Nornholm himself said, "I drew the the short straw." I mean, what kind of confidence does that give you, right? When your boss says yeah. your boss says I'm running this because I drew the short straw, what a stupid thing to say that was. That was right? that was dumb. That so, was bad. Yeah. And like I said, their talent, a couple of members of their roster straight up told me probably just going to write out my deal. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It is. I mean, right now they do taping so minimally that they are essentially a glorified indie now. That's what they are. They bring guys in for a week of tapings, and then they say we'll see you next quarter. I mean, that's boggles my mind when some people try to still argue with me that Impact is above Ring of Honor on oh, the totem pole. No chance. There's no, no way. chance. I thought I thought Ring of Honor passed when when Ring of Honor got on the same network as Impact, I thought they had passed them. Right. When they got on Destination America, I was like, all right, they're running live events, they're making money, they're on pay per view semi regularly. Right. Uh, they have a syndication deal, their show is online. They have a good partner relationship with New Japan. Yep. There's no way. It's, no, it's, it's not close. Of, speaking of Ring of Honor, <laughs> I spoke to Ring of Honor announcer Ian Riccoboni, and in media, you have to wear a lot of hats. I wear a lot of hats. You wear a lot of hats. Like It's just a part of doing it. Michael Cole, he's got to do more than just show up and call Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. Joey Styles had to sh- do more than show up in Paul Heyman's parents' basement at three in the morning and 
call events. He had to do a lot of different things. We see Josh Matthews wearing a lot of hats. Ian Riccoboni uh, talked to me about some of the additional duties that he has with Ring of Honor as well. Oftentimes, any announcer really has additional duties. I know Josh Matthews does a ton of different stuff at Impact. Michael Cole helps bring up and helps produce stuff in WWE. I know Joey Styles did a bunch of stuff in ECW. Is uh, announcing strictly what you do, or do you, you like do they have you contribute in, in other ways as well? I, I do produce a lot of the web content right now. Uh, that's a role that I, I started to start in. Um, I, I do produce a lot of the web articles. I write those. Um, you know, I love to write. I love to contribute in that way. Um, I, you know, I, I do have a little bit of a hand in some of the videos that you might see. Uh, very minimal, though, uh, on our YouTube page, uh, youtube.com slash ring of honor. Uh, so in those ways, you know, I'm not in, as involved as maybe peak Joey Styles was in ECW or maybe current Jeremy Borash. But, um, you know, I certainly, uh, you know, Ring of Honor is great. It's a family environment. All ideas are, are, are welcome. So, you know, you, I think you'd be surprised to hear maybe who's involved in terms of everybody kind of having a say in, in the direction of where they're going. And, you know, it's a great environment to, to foster that creativity. Some of our best television and some of our best pay-per-view events um, were in large part driven uh, by Bring Up Honor and how nice of a creative environment it is. And I think the big example to, to not leave you hanging is, of, of course, uh, Adam Page, um, yeah. who mysteriously disappeared and then uh, returned back from seemingly the dead, uh, bound <laughs> at death before dishonor. So. I love the integration of being the elite. Like Ring of Honor recognized what was hot, and they decided to roll with it. I thought that was I thought that was really good stuff. Well, and I'll say this about about Nick and Matt Jackson and Cody and Marty and and Adam and and Brandy. They you know the whole being the elite group, even Mister and Mrs. Jackson. Um, you know they they always let me know when there's a new one. Um, and I have that alert set on my phone, I think, like everybody else, to tell me when there's a new YouTube video. So I, I make sure I hit that and <laughs> make sure I see it right away. Um, but again, um, I think one of the ways Ring of Honor can continue to grow, you know, Bullet Club, they have their merchandise and Hot Topic. Uh, why not talk about that? Um, you know, Being the Elite is a, is a big time web series. Why not talk about all the folks that are watching that? Um, we have this great relationship with New Japan, with CMLL, with Rev Pro. When our stars compete there, we want to make sure we're getting content on our websites, on Twitter, on Instagram, on things like that to really highlight that, hey, our stars are competing around the world and in a lot of cases winning big time matchups. Uh, for instance, uh, Flip Gordon, he pinned Ultimo Guerrero just a few weeks ago at the CMLL uh, anniversary show. Uh, he's just outright legend. Uh, Matt Taven went seven and two in CMLL. So we wanted to make sure that we you know, we highlighted that on, on our web, on the website and across our social platforms. So, you know, for us, I think the relationship is great. Uh, but for me and, and for a lot of the other folks, really show our fans that everything that happens in the world of wrestling, it, it matters, especially when it comes to our partners, CMLL, CMLL uh, New Japan and Rev. All right, we're back. Ian Riccoboni, I got to say, like, whenever I would see him do these ROH updates, I, I thought he seems like a wholesome dude. It can't even be, like, I can't describe how wholesome of a guy he is. He is as just kind-hearted as uh, they come. And you could really tell that as as you start to film with him. 
like just how he's soft-spoken, but he, he's doing a very good job for Ring of Honor. They found a good one in him. And he's very happy to be doing what he's doing, too. You can see it on his face. Yeah. So oh, I, will, yeah. I, I will say one thing, and, and you know, you touched upon it, and he talked about it. Uh, working on the independents, you know, not to say that Ring of Honor isn't independent, but they kind of are. Yeah. Uh, it's a great... Learn it's a great training ground because you have to learn so many different things, right? Like you said, you're not just a ring announcer. I still think back to ECW when Tommy Dreamer was a talent in the ring and he was doing merchandise fulfillment and yeah. customer service. And Taz was designing merchandise. And I remember Tommy Dreamer saying, you know, looking to the camera and saying, if you ever bought a t-shirt from ECW in the mail, I'm probably the one that put it in the package. That that right. rise and fall of ECW documentary was right. like they highlighted it. Did you ever watch Forever Hardcore? Uh, no, I don't. That's the that's one that was produced by Johnson and those guys, Borash. was it or Borash? Yeah, I don't it think it was pretty did. good. It was yeah. pretty good, like mainly for New Jack quotes. But and that's that's a bit of, that's like a point of contention for a lot of people. Is Ring of Honor still an indie because they sign their guys to exclusive deals? They can't work other indies. But the big one is they're owned by a company that has like six billion dollars in assets. Yeah, but they—I mean—they sign them domestically, right? So the guys sure. can can work anywhere else outside of the U.S. Yeah, so. which I think is the wave. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I I think the New Japan partnership is excellent for for Ring of Honor, and I think it's excellent for New Japan too. Yeah. So, uh, okay, a couple more things on my list. I actually had more left on my list than I thought I did. So a couple more things. Uh, I want to talk about Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Yeah. Do you think okay, let me for anybody that hasn't heard it all, I'll say it first. So uh a fan posted on Twitter, uh he said, Just watched Omega versus Okada three on Access TV and it was incredible. Forget Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega is now the best in the world by far. Jericho responded and said, Best in the world, Kenny Omega isn't even the best in Winnipeg. Hashtag overrated. Omega then responded and he said, Well geez, what can I say? Never meet your heroes, folks, lest they be a corporate stooge. My question is, was Jericho just ribbing? Because that seems out of character for Chris Jericho. They're working. It is, right? They're working. It'd yeah. have to be. Like, Chris Jericho posted today, like, you have great matches, too bad nobody sees them. And even Disco Inferno was like, exactly. And I'm like, W-E-R-K-T. Yeah, Quirked. it seems like Quirked. it. I, I know that uh, some people were complaining that when they were defending Omega, Jericho blocked them on Twitter. And that led to speculation that maybe Jericho's just being a jerk, but it's just out of character for him to do it, so I figured it was probably just a work. Yeah, they're working. Okay, good. <laughs> it wouldn't um, shock me to see them wrestling on a boat next year. Right, right, because they are, they are doing a Ring of Honor showcase, right? Yeah. So. Or uh, Jericho's often said he won't wrestle anywhere but, but WWE, but you never know. Well, he could just appear as a referee or something, or yeah. run in. And he, he's going to be there. Sure. Um, I want to know what you think of this one. Actually, I might ask Nigel because, Nigel, you know some wrestlers, right? Like, like you know who Hulk Hogan is. Yeah. You know, do you know who Stone Cold Steve Austin is? Yeah. And you know what they look like? Yeah. Okay. Hulk Hogan posted on Twitter on October 24th, <laughs> quote, It's about time to give myself a Stone Cold haircut, brother. <laughs> what do you think about that, Nigel? I don't know if he could pull it off. I don't know. So, I mean, obviously, if you've seen Hulk Hogan in the last several years... All due respect to him, I, I grew up a big Hulk Hogan fan, and I'm not going to rip him. He clearly has extensions. It's obvious by looking at him. Uh, so what do you think, Sean? Do you think he's going to take it all off? 
he would get a lot of publicity for doing that. He kind of looked like Mr. Clean with a mustache because he's got I that mean, face, right? I mean, I assigned a story based on those two tweets. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> did? Really? Yeah. Like, uh, it's it's up on Fightful.com right now. I didn't even know that. I saw it on Twitter. So I didn't even yeah, know it was up on uh, Fightful.com. It was Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan bonding over baldness. And, yeah, Austin wants him to embrace the dome. So that'd be... Austin said, cool, like Austin yeah. actually responded? He tweeted, he said, embrace the dome, brother. Hashtag bald is cool. You should go to Fightful.com sometimes, Jimmy. I really should, I we should. have news updates <laughs> on things like this pretty regularly. Sean, I told you I am undergoing three property renos at the moment. Yeah. I'm running in circles, man. So uh, I put this list together today in like 15 minutes. I just whip, kind of whipped it together. Hey, it's been a great show. Uh, great. So I want to ask you a question. Sure. You know how Sting, when Sting came back to WWE, not came back to WWE, when he went to WWE, finally, he was very public in saying that his dream match was Sting versus The Undertaker, right? Mm-hmm. And it never happened. Do you think that it never happened in reality because The Undertaker didn't want to do it? Yeah, based on the conversation that Sting had right. with him where he just said that the, the feeling didn't seem to be reciprocated. So Sting was in Dubai to promote WWE 2K18. Interesting that they would send him to Dubai for that. Uh, but he was there promoting the game. He was interviewed by a website. And again, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it. The website is called Al Arabia. Uh, they asked him about The Undertaker. Um, and Sting insinuated that Taker wasn't interested in the match, and, and this is a direct quote. He said, we had a brief conversation. I told him, I said, man, I just always wanted to have that match. It wasn't necessarily reciprocated, so I'm not sure where he stands or if he had any interest at all, to be quite honest. And I respect Sting for his honesty. Uh, and, you know, you, you talk about good guys in the business. Sting sure as hell comes off as one of those good guys because he's always been very honest, mm-hmm. even when his honesty doesn't necessarily paint the best light on himself. That's how he is. So I read that, because when you think about the styles, right, I, I read that and I thought to myself, I bet you the whole time, Taker probably said to Vince, you know, sign him if you want, but I don't, I'm not really feeling that match, you know? Well, at this stage of their careers, I can't blame him. Undertaker has had hit or miss matches mm-hmm. in the past few years. Like, the Brock match wasn't good, but the Brock rematch was very good, mm-hmm. like when they, when they really got into the feud. The Roman match, I wasn't big on, so yeah, I could kind of see that. Uh, what what I learned out of this and many media interviews over the past week is that WWE needs to start feeding us some of their guys because when I go to the podcasts and I see 100 views with a WWE wrestler, I'm thinking, okay, WWE, I think it's safe for you to feed them to us. Go ahead, give us. Give me, give me Zack Ryder for all I care. You know what? I'm thinking that when they're in Dubai, the uh, English media availability is probably not the greatest, uh, which is why I question why the UFC is being a pain in the ass. But that's a whole other story, Sean. It's a whole other story. UFC people smarten up. Whole uh, other yeah, story. That's, that's going to be a funny story one day. Oh, we're going to tell it one day. We're going to tell oh, it. Oh, we sure are. Uh, one more thing we on my list him. today. We caught him. Yeah, I, I, I got no comment. Uh, one more thing on my list today. Uh, I know that I tend to put Kevin Owens over a lot on the yeah. show. Uh, and it's because Kevin Owens is awesome. And that's why I put him over a lot. He was on the Edge and Christian podcast recently. 
and I respect Kevin Owens not just because of his ability in the ring and his promo ability and, and his awareness and all of that, but the fact that he is also another honest person who will give his honest opinion even if, again, he's not necessarily putting himself in the best position. So he was on the Edge of Christian podcast and he said that he felt that after he won the Universal Championship, he felt that he actually didn't become a top guy off of that. And he feels like his, his career plateaued after he split from Chris Jericho. He said he feels like things have not been the same since. Uh, I agree with him. And I actually thought after the Vince McMahon headbutt, I thought that was going to make him skyrocket. I feel like it hasn't happened. I feel like uh, if you smack down this week, it looks like they're just looking at Kevin Owens, Randy Orton. It looks like that's the direction. Uh, and who gives a shit about Randy Orton, honestly, in, in 2017? So what do you think? Do you think that uh, his peak so far has been the Chris Jericho partnership and that he hasn't been able to duplicate that? Yes, and a lot of this plateau has to do – on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown has to do with the fact that they have a guy who people don't really give a shit about as the WWE champion, and they have a guy who isn't there as universal champion. Yeah. So what – so what can people do? They can get thrown in dump trucks, come back and wrestle Kane. Yeah. They can attack the owner. Like that's their championship gold is headbutting Vince McMahon. Like, yeah, you're right. And it, you know, there's always going to be the people who say, ah, oh, the belt makes the guy, the guy makes the belt. Yada. It doesn't matter. It's it is a clear symbol that this person is important to them, and it's hard to really when it's more of a narrative thing now than than. It's weird. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy these days as See, opposed to something to make your show better. Part of the problem too is, as we've talked about in the past, is their inability to create new stars because I think back to 97, Bret Hart was the WWE champion at the time. He was in a feud with the Patriot that nobody cared about. Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker was the main event, right? Bret as the WWE champion was under Undertaker Shawn because that was the marquee matchup. They can't really do that right now. So like you said, Jinder Mahal is the WWE champion. No one gives a shit about him on SmackDown. If you want to elevate Kevin Owens and put him, you know, say in the marquee match above the WWE title match, there's no one to put him with. I mean, that's just how it is because yeah. they, have, they haven't elevated anybody to that spot. I am interested in the match with Shinsuke Nakamura next week because I still view Shinsuke Nakamura as a special talent. But WWE clearly does not. They haven't positioned him as one. So that's kind of how it is. Yeah, and they have a lot of special talent on this roster. They just have to portray them as special. Look at Sami Zayn. He's a perfect example. Yeah, right? and I know somebody's going to pop up and say, uh, like, but what about Asuka? She didn't, she's not special. I'm like, uh, she's still got that zero in the loss column, doesn't she? Can you do something with the glasses, man? Can you do something with that? Ah, do I have them? You don't, don't have, have them there? That's all right. Well, well next week. But, Get ready for next week. But... If people want to see that any time that they want, they can head over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful and get the You Have Opinionated Wrongfully uh, sh uh, shirt. But I've had some very, like, basically people acting as that meme. Like oh, some really? of the comments. Oh, my gosh. Let me read this hilarious one from a guy. I, I shouldn't put him over. No, just but... don't even bother, man. Because I, I want to. No, I wanna... it, it wasn't like, like, it was just hilarious. And. I said I basically said you walked 14 miles to to drive one because this is <laughs> this is how he told us that our opinion was wrong. Uh. Assessing Alicia Fox as brilliant and remarkable and wondering how WWE has kept her off the air is a vapid understanding of wrestling to say the least. Fox cannot wrestle. Colon. 
She is fairly reckless in how she attempts certain moves. Due to her lack of strength and playing, crazy is not what she conveys, colon. She conveys a little petulant girl who has the intellect of a four- to five-year-old, none of which are endearing or engaging. Suffice it to say, the only two girls that have played the crazy chick well were A.J. Lee and Mickey James. Everyone else's version is idiotic, childish, and uninteresting. And I went to their YouTube page. It's a bunch of women's wrestling like video uploads, and I was. I like, mean, I will say AJ Lee was an awesome crazy chick. She was. She great. really was. She really. Mickey was, was too. Yeah. Four to five year old petulant girls can't do tilt a world backbreakers that well. I love. I love the belly to belly she did on Raw. I loved it. That was hilarious. Loved it. And, and Alicia Fox. Pop. I got to tell you, I actually have a bit of a soft spot for Alicia Fox because mm-hmm. she was supposed to be another one of these catalog models, and she's been there for how long, Sean? Ten years. It feels like I pointed it. out. The infamous line from Tough Enough, my favorite match is Molina versus Alicia Fox uh, yes. seven years ago. <laughs> Think about that. Seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have a lot of respect for Alicia Fox because, again, she was, she, was, she was not looked at as, you know, the one that grew up in the business and all that. She was looked at as a model, and she stuck with it full time for all these years. I have a lot of respect for her. And you hear good things about her backstage, too. Everybody likes her, you know? So, uh, okay. Yeah, she's one, very well liked. One more thing before we wrap up, Sean. Yeah. So, Mr. Celebrity over here, Sean Ross Sapp, Mr. Mr. Face of Fightful.com, he generously donated to somebody's GoFundMe. And you can tell the story in a minute. He generously donated to someone's GoFundMe. I think it was related to the Young Bucks somehow. And the person that he donated to thanked him and said, I love watching you on the podcast. She recognized the celebrity out of, uh, I forget where you're from again. She recognizes a celebrity. Kentucky. Go ahead and tell the story. How Man or woman, I don't about. know, because I think it was a couple, and it was their son who was trying – they were trying to get a bath seat for their son who has cerebral palsy. And, you know, we have members of Fightful.com, our own uh, Kyler James has cerebral palsy, and mm-hmm. I've seen how it affects him, and he still does awesome work for us. And I saw – it was the Young Bucks. Uh, Matt – I think it was Nick Jackson that posted it, and I was like, yeah, I'll donate a little bit. That was uh, pretty cool to see, to, to be recognized for something like that, uh, just for doing something kind of cool. But uh, the Young Buck stepped up, and this person just asked him to retweet the link, and he was like, how about I pay it off? So that was very cool, and it motivated me to do that because I'm sure a little extra can help. Sure. Very cool. And it was really cool. It made me very happy to to be recognized in that manner too. Padded my ego, which you know is super small. I was going to say, man, that's, that's the last thing we need because off here you're going to ask for another raise. Well, you make this joke all <laughs> the last time. thing I needed. You make this joke. Let's, let's address it, Jimmy. Let's I'm going to ask Nigel, hey, man, do you want to be the managing editor of Fightful.com? Let, let's address uh, it. Let's address it. It'd be a terrible people move. Ask this all the time. I was contacted by a former employer who wanted me back bad. Bad. <laughs> they looked at me and they said, I like the way you do business. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I said, you know what? I'm pretty good at it. Business, business sense-wise, Sean? Hey, I don't know, you man. You know what? Next time my wife and I are in Toronto, ask about the conversations I had with her. She was like... You mean the next time you, you want me to pay to fly you to Toronto? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, another reason I stuck with Fightful.com. There you go. And I just said, hey, Jimmy, can you match this? And you said, hell, I guess. No, what I said was, dude, you've been here for like three weeks. What the hell are you doing? It was not three weeks. It was less than a year, though, and I had zero plans of asking for such in less than a year. Uh-huh. But um, 
they offered me above that again, and I said, nope, sorry, okay, bye. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I made the right move. With all due respect to them, uh-huh. I made the right move, and I didn't want to leave anyway. Okay. Well, that's it for my list this week, so have a good week, Sean. <laughs> and now you're renegotiating a property in Toronto to give to me? Oh, dude. If, if What? I can't imagine how my wife would react if I told her, by the way, our new house that I just bought. I'm going to go ahead and give that to Sean Ross Sapp. I can't imagine what the reaction would be. I would probably be, like, I'd be a single like, man. Great idea. I, yeah. I loved him and his wife at yeah. the Blue Jays game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, One of those. I don't those. think so. I don't think so. This property's taking years off my life, Sean. Really? Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's just too say, much. When you say that, how many years do you think you have in life to begin with? I will. You know what? If I can get through like another 25, I'll be happy with that. If I can get through another 25. I fear my own mortality. Like, I just want science to advance to the point where, like, I don't die. I'm cool you know what? With not, that. not that I want to get too personal on this show, but I have undergone in recent weeks just because, you know, it, I'm, I'm not uh, the kind of person that fears my mortality too much, but when you have children, it change, changes your mindset. So, in recent weeks, I have undergone a full gamut of, like, lung tests, heart tests, sure. everything to make sure things are kosher. Because again, you got two little kids, man. I see my daughter thriving. You want to be there for her, right? So yeah, definitely. I'm told things are okay for now, Sean. Matter of fact, you know, what, you know what I was told, Sean? And you got to remember, you got to remember, I'm a 200 pounder. All right. Uh-huh. I did an exercise test yesterday, uh, where you're on a treadmill and they make you breathe through a thing and they they increase the resistance and all that. Uh, I was told that my uh, fitness level is better than average for my uh, for my age. Wow. Yep. Does that mean that we can do a fightful wrestling event and we can work each other? Uh, oh, I haven't. I haven't. So I, I did wrestling training briefly in, I think it was 1999. Uh, it's been a long time, Sean, since I've done anything like that. Hey, let, let's be real. I have been contacted before. It didn't come to fruition. <clears throat> where somebody asked me about possibly booking a Sean Ross Sapp versus Vince Russo match. Oh, you told me that. You told me that. And yeah. I planned it in my head, and I was like, you know what? I can get a good one out of him. You think so? An entertaining one out of him. I don't want to say a good one. You think I you could? An entertaining one out of it. Yeah, I do. I think I could. Now I'm super green, but I think I could get an entertaining one out of him. But he's not going to want to take a bump. No, he's not. And I can work that. Okay, so when I came up, I learned to wrestle in a boxing <clears throat> ring, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of catch wrestling. And we didn't want to take bumps in that boxing ring because it hurt. So you would learn to work off the corners, learn to work off the ropes, learn to work off of rolls, stuff like that. Do moves that don't bump. Uh, that's kind of how I learned. If you can work a match without having any ropes or turnbuckles mm. uh, in the middle of the ring and not bump, then you can make pretty much anything work. But mm. we make it work at Fightful.com, and you guys can too. Head over there. Tons of coverage this weekend. We have the Anthony Joshua fight. I know that Carlos is going to have a ton of stuff up on that because that man is everywhere doing stuff. We have UFC Sao Paulo. I think I'm going to release that DDP interview from Listen Your Boy in full. There are things on that that we didn't release on Listen Your Boy. All these interviews that I'll release are like that. Jimmy Van is going to be out buying up all the property. He is like the Monopoly man right now. Oh, yeah. That's what I like, am, Sean. Yeah, that's what I am. And I'm just sitting over here trying to pass go and collect 200 Canadian dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Interact with us on the Fightful.com forum. Go over there. We have videos, photos, <laughs> podcasts, everything you can imagine. Thank you guys so much for the support. Follow us at JimmyVan74, at Sean Ross Sapp, and at Fightful Online. Until next time, we're out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.